Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Mini Skirt. My name is Sarah. And my name is Jessica. And we are obviously the podcast hosts. If you would like to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Heaven in a Mini Skirt and Twitter at Mini Skirt Pod. Or you can visit our website at heaveninaminiskirt.com. Hi. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Jessica. We're coming in real hot today. Yeah. Coming in hot. It's going to be gonna be so hot. Can't handle it. It's going to be hot and sweaty. No. It's the closet that I'm recording this podcast in. There might just be way more cringe than we've had to date. There's going to be an unreasonable amount of cringe. <laughs> As most people know, since they clicked on this episode, this episode is about masturbation. And I told my mom that we were doing masturbation for the next episode. And she goes, oh, no. <laughs> that was her reaction. Yeah, she's like, maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't think I'm going to listen to that one. <laughs> okay, we're not here to talk about really gross stuff. Okay, so if you're looking for that, keep scrolling, I guess. It's... What we're going to talk about today is, well, masturbation as it pertains to Christianity and Christian views, and also how it came into Christianity to be such a bad thing and into society as being a really bad thing, because there's a history of it. So Sarah's been texting me all week saying, I'm so excited for masturbation, so... The FBI agent that's looking at our text messages is probably very confused. Oh, 100%. And my Google search history is unreasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I I have a bullet point of stories that I have to share. Oh, no. (laughs) If the the right thing comes up. Oh, no. I just thought of another one I'm adding. No. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll both be super embarrassed by the end of this episode maybe this episode will never see the light of day but if you're listening it has (laughs) do you want to get started are you do you have anything you want to say before i get started into the history of masturbation oh my god i'm just i'm just excited to see what direction you're going to take with this i guess like i said we're going to start with the history and go back to the very very beginning and then work our way up to modern society because there is a lot to unpack with how masturbation came into the zeitgeist to be something naughty work our way up to the climax work (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) oh my god do you also have a bullet list of puns because it sounds like you might also sarah's drinking a glass of wine she's coming in she's coming in sassy today she's gonna be the sassy host yeah it's a little bit of a role reversal here (laughs) Okay. Okay. Brief history of masturbation. Now it's, I say brief, we're going to get into it. It's very interesting, actually. One thing that I noticed is that I did a lot of research on this and there is some information on the history of masturbation, but it's just not really written about, unsurprisingly, I guess. It's just one of those things that society doesn't really want to think about, I think. So in terms of like prehistoric stuff, there's not too much. So there's ancient depictions of masturbation in like prehistoric rock paintings And there's evidence that it was revered by ancient Egyptians. In ancient Greece, it was seen as a healthy act and something that had been poked fun at through like plays and stuff like that. There isn't much though. There's like the prehistoric rock paintings. There's some pottery that depicts like women masturbating. Um, So like we know that they knew what it was, but we don't really know what most societies thought of it. But I don't think that it was thought of as something really, really disgusting by prehistoric societies um other than that there only seems to be small hints of masturbation in society until the 1700s so the 1700s is when it really starts to ramp up so before that some pre-christian societies included ejaculation in their most important rituals and creation myths um but then the roman catholic church came along those old roman catholics they're the fun killers and they came along and declared masturbation to be a quote-unquote grave disorder so Thank you, Catholicism. So when did this first enter the culture as a whole as something just absolutely deplorable? Now, it seems that it started in 1723. So there was a pamphlet called Onania or the heinous sin of self-pollution. 
So that was what the pamphlet was called. And this is one of the first written publications known to warn against masturbation. So it was a pamphlet and it was published in London in 1723 and reprinted in Boston in 1724. So it obviously made it overseas into the Christian or I guess the societies there, not just the Christian societies. I think most Western societies were very heavily Christian at that point, though, at least the people in positions of power. And, and what I kind of understand is that I'd say most people in society back then at least considered themselves to be affiliated with some sort of religion. So in the pamphlet, it talked about why masturbation was wrong. It included medications that people could buy to curb masturbation and the desire to do it. And it also included testimonies from young men that like either died or got various <laughs> diseases from masturbation, which I am confident to say was definitely made up. Um, It went through dozens of editions and translations over the years. So it actually stuck around for a really, really long time. And like as the translations and editions get updated, there's like more testimonies or more medications that get put in it. And that is how masturbation entered the zeitgeist as something deplorable. But was it just male masturbation mentioned in the pamphlet? I'm so glad you said that. So that was literally my next point. Oh. (laughs) It says something. So something interesting about it. It seemed to regard men and women as equals in masturbation. Oh, wow. Which I find interesting because from our experiences, which we will talk about, it's not really talked about. Not the same for females. It is not the same for females. Exactly. So the author of the pamphlet is unknown, but it's likely a doctor. They think it's a surgeon named John Martin, but it hasn't been confirmed. So it's not really really that interesting who wrote it but it was some sort of surgeon it is now said that this was the beginning of the notion that masturbation was not only sinful but it spread a wide range of terrible diseases like blindness so we've all heard this myth that masturbation causes blindness this is where or that's... for hair to grow on your hands I think yeah. that was another one I heard once <laughs> I wonder if that's in the pamphlet now the pamphlet is in like yieldy language and I could not get through it it's online it's called Onania or the heinous sin of self-pollution. I'll link it in the show notes if anybody really wants to read it. Um, but that notion really seemed to catch like wildfire. So it really spread across all societies. And just like a fun little fact that I'd like to throw in. Uh, I, I saw a little fact in my research that there was a 17th century law code for the Puritan colony of New Haven, Connecticut that blasphemers, homosexuals, and masturbators were eligible for the death penalty. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Like, how did how do they even find out someone's a masturbator? Like, well, another thing that I saw on in my research is that there wasn't really the notion of privacy back then. Like, you didn't have your own room to go and do whatever you want. Like, everything was kind of like you live with your family in one room or like two rooms in this small house and the notion of privacy didn't come until later and so maybe people were masturbating in public oh that just that just causes so many problems (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why they're being beheaded yeah just we're just like we don't want to see that nobody wants to see that so over the years there was other books and pamphlets that were written and these books and pamphlets like they were considered to be like scholarly articles like these were like the modern scientists of the time were like this is real it causes all these diseases i don't think they had the modern scientific method back then no. there's obviously no proof that masturbation causes any diseases it seemed to have entered the public opinion as something absolutely shameful and that includes outside of christianity too although like you said i'm sure most people back then were christian or considered themselves to be christians So that's really how it entered into the public sphere. And there's not a ton of information online about that. It is something that has not been really researched. So I've only seen this, like, there was a couple books and a few articles about it, but it's not, like, that talked about. And then you get into, like, right after that is, like, the Victorian era. And I'm sure that you've looked into the 1800s because I feel like they're real messed up. And next up is the 1800s. (laughs) You got it. So the next section is called John Harvey Kellogg and the myth that cornflakes were invented to stop masturbation. Like the cereal? Yeah. Am I blowing your mind right now? A little bit. Yeah. So John Harvey Kellogg of Kellogg's. 
He was a major leader in progressive health reform in the 1800s, and particularly in what they call the second phase of the clean living movement. And he wrote in extensively on science and health. So that's like the last of the good things about John Harvey Kellogg, because okay. <laughs> he is a real piece of garbage. So we're going to keep going. So he was born in 1852, and he was brought up in what is called the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And at the time, that church was brand new. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. They were. I know people that were Seventh-day Adventists growing up. Shut up. It was founded by a woman, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And most of them are vegetarians. And they have church on Saturday instead of Sundays. And oh, they like, can't do anything. They're very intense about the Sabbath. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, Sarah, you forgot one really important fact about the Seventh-day Adventists. They believe in the imminent second coming of jesus and they've believed in that since 1853 when they were founded i believe oh you should see their prophecy videos that they have i had a friend who showed me a whole series of those back in 2007 shut the fuck up really from the book of daniel yeah but he was yeah he was like obsessed with these videos that were published and produced by the seventh day adventist church oh no you blow my mind Thank you for that information. Um, so they believed in the imminent second coming of Jesus. Still believe in that. Um, they're waiting. They've been waiting for a very long time. So his father, John Harvey Kellogg's father, decided that because Jesus was coming, that formal education for his children wasn't necessary. So they just like didn't go to school. <laughs> he had 17 children from two different women, oh. including John and John's brother, Will. And Will will come back later in the story. And John's education was largely self-taught, which is pretty impressive. Um, he graduated in 1875 with a medical degree. So imagine having no formal education and then getting a medical degree. That's pretty intense. Um, in 1876, Kellogg became the director of the Battle Creek Medical Surgical Sanitarium. So that Battle Creek Sanitarium was owned by the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and he led the institution until his death in 1943. Battle Creek Sanitarium was a really interesting place. Um, it was for the wealthy, and they promoted all sorts of healthy living types, like vegetarianism, as you said. That's probably why they promoted that, because that the Seventh Day Adventist Church promotes that. Uh, nutrition, exercise, and also enemas to clear the intestinal flora. Okay, I mean, sure enemas great um he also wanted his patients to abstain from smoking drinking and sex so this is where masturbation kind of comes back into things also interesting little tidbit he was an early proponent for germ theory in diseases which was at the time like very controversial and he was really ahead of his time so what does this have to do with masturbation he was married in 1853 but him and his wife never consummated their marriage and they remained in separate beds for their whole marriage, they um, like adopted a bunch of kids. So as a physician and Adventist, he opposed all sexual activity. Uh, okay. He was concerned about STDs, but he also really hated self-satisfaction as well. Any kind of sexual activity. He was a supporter of Sylvester Graham. Now, Sylvester Graham's also a really interesting guy. There's a lot of really fucked up people back then, as there still is today. He inspired the creation of the Graham Cracker and believed that if you kept a plain vegetarian diet, you would stay much healthier, but it would also prevent sexual arousal. So okay. they started to be really interested in developing and aphrodisiac foods which means foods that will make you feel not sexual at all i feel like graham crackers kind of fall into that like you're not like ooh, s'mores are sexy <laughs> you know what i mean i think s'mores are sexy no, i think it's because the chocolate and the marshmallow make me feel aroused not because of the graham crackers. i guess you do you <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god Anyway, there's a lot more to Sylvester Graham's story, but I just can't get into it it's too much. So you can look him up on your own. <laughs> so John Harvey Kellogg also loved someone named William Acton, who was a British doctor and a huge anti-masturbation activist. He thought that women didn't enjoy or think about sex. So his primary focus was about male masturbation. So this is where like females just get completely forgotten about about masturbation. So I guess we're off the hook. Right? Sounds like the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were just talking <laughs> forgotten about and everything. Yeah. He thought that masturbation was detrimental to health and he spent most of his life trying to teach upper class English people how to deal with childhood masturbation and to prevent their children from masturbating. Um, so Kellogg wasn't the only person doing this at the time, right? There was a lot of people that were really interested in this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it was a very orthodox view, and there were a lot of doctors against masturbation who thought it was more detrimental than many diseases. So moving on with Kellogg, he believed that masturbation led to all sorts of diseases, such as urinary diseases, epilepsy, and cancer of the womb, and referred to masturbation as self-abuse. Wow. He promoted extensive measures to prevent masturbation. He got circumcised at age 37. Oh, no. Oh, that would <laughs> so yeah. That would be really, really painful. Well, he wrote a book called Plain Facts for the Young and Old. Out of 644 pages, 97 addressed masturbation and um, what he called self-abuse. Uh, he wrote in his book, you're going to love this, that men who masturbated should be circumcised and women should have carbolic acid applied to their clitoris without oh anesthetic. What the fuck? Seriously? Yes, seriously. <laughs> I know. Okay. So you thought this guy was cool, and then it just went like way downhill. He had a real obsession with sexual restraint. Do you think this was like a kink for them? Like, do you think that they got like extra turned on by that? It's almost so obsessive that that is something that has crossed my mind for sure. Yeah, because some like some people, their whole thing is like depriving themselves or being teased or whatever, and it's like. <laughs> edging i don't know yeah edging yeah god i couldn't even think of the word yeah like edging so is this just like a very extreme form of edging we can only we can only speculate sarah we can only speculate so now we're going on to cornflakes right i mentioned cornflakes earlier so how does this tie into everything how do we get to cornflakes how do we (laughs) get to cornflakes i'll tell you on the internet There is a myth that has gone around that cornflakes were invented by John Harvey Kellogg to curb masturbation. That is like kind of like one of those like today I learned on Reddit, but that's not quite the whole story. So some reports say that he invented them because he was very interested in foods that were easily digestible and healthy. Like he was inventing all these foods for his patients at Battle Creek Sanitarium. And some say that he invented cornflakes and other bland cereals to curb masturbation and sexual desire. Now, I think it's kind of both. He was interested in healthy eating and interested in hating sex so i actually just think that a lot of the stuff it was invented for both reasons he believed that quote-unquote stimulating diet had a direct link with thoughts and urges and so he outlined what he described as a simple pure and unstimulating diet to prevent masturbation and self-abuse he says quote a man that lives on pork fine flour bread, rich pies and cakes and condiments, drinks teas and coffees and uses tobacco, might as well try to fly as to be chased in thought. Well, I don't I don't eat pork, so I'm Do you eat rich pies and cakes? I had some pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. Well, you're you're done. <laughs> you're not going to be chased, Sarah. And you're drinking wine? Oh, it's over. Okay, so at Battle Creek Sanitarium, him and his brother Will actually started inventing all these different types of cereals, including granola and shredded wheat and cornflakes. So he invented the actual cereal, but Kellogg's as we know it today was actually created by his brother Will. So Will also took the idea for shredded wheat from John and also the idea for cornflakes. And there was a lawsuit because Will just created the Kellogg company and like made all the money. And Will won. And then after that, the brothers had a very strained relationship, obviously. (laughs) So I don't want you to feel bad for John, though, because he dedicated the last 30 years of his life to promoting eugenics. And he left his fortune to the Race Betterment Foundation when he died. It is obviously a eugenics organization. So good guy. (laughs) That is like kind of the history of masturbation up until the 1900s do you have thoughts i'm not i'm not super surprised that people had a big problem with masturbation and that they thought it was vile and that they thought it would lead to a lot of health consequences i feel like that was a lot of things back then i mean the things you could have been killed for homosexuality masturbation 
adultery, premarital sex. Like, I'm sure there's a whole list of things. Yeah, basically, like, if somebody wanted you dead, they could just find something to kill you. I wonder, like, it just must have been such a miserable existence at that point. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, everyone must have been so irritable because they're all so fucking repressed. (laughs) It's also, like, like, repression and also, like, we live such a life of luxury now. Can you imagine? First of all, like, the fact that we are doing this podcast and we can say whatever we want about a religion and we're not going to be hanged (laughs) you know that's that's a big and we're women and we're women and the fact that we can have friends and family that don't have the same views and we can all still like coexist that's something beautiful that like we got to keep fighting for because it's super important yeah so when did things start to turn around in society like obviously especially in christianity masturbation is still frowned upon but in society as a whole i think everyone accepts that masturbation doesn't cause diseases and blindness so when did this actually change the sexual revolution so yes alfred kinsey yes alfred kinsey and his kinsey report i love him so i knew you'd know what this is yeah we love alfred kinsey in the 40s and 50s he wrote So for those who don't know, he wrote the Kinsey Reports and they are two books on human and sexual behavior. And they, it was a lot about sexual and human behavior, but in terms of masturbation, it stated how common masturbation was. Like he did some surveys and these reports themselves are an entire can of worms that I do not want to open because it caused a lot of controversy at the time, as you can imagine. (laughs) But it was the first of its time to deem that masturbation was even slightly normal. Which is crazy. 40s and 50s and 60s. Like, what? Like, that wasn't that long ago. So things went back and forth for a while um, in society, non-Christian and, I guess, Christian society. But I think everyone kind of has a consensus now that masturbation is normal enough, right? People do it, whatever. But in Christianity, it's pretty one-sided that you shouldn't masturbate. And that's where we get to the next section of the podcast, which is current Christian points of view on masturbation. This is the meat. And by current, do you mean like the last 30 years? Yeah, we're going to just go with like, let's just say the 90s into now. I imagine it wasn't as talked about until like the big purity movement started. Yeah, so very much late 90s and then had its glory days all through the 2000s when we were experiencing like adolescence and young adulthood. I'm not going to lie. We picked a really crappy time to dive hardcore into Christianity because, you know, (laughs) I think we both still have sexual issues because of it. But but we still have a lot of good stories to share. And we're the presidents of Club V. So yeah, exactly. That's pretty honorable. So there's a few Bible verses that pertain to masturbation of course the most popular one that i see come up is um, matthew 5 verse 28 and it says but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart so maybe not specifically about masturbation but i think a lot of the themes of masturbation and christianity have to do with lust yeah that's a big point that Christians tend to make is that lust is the big no-no. Especially when they're saying like lust is like it's just jumping to like it's equivalent to adultery. Next Bible verse is 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18, which is flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. This sounds like something the Kellogg's probably would have pulled from. Yeah, that was like that was like their <laughs> mission statement. There's a few more Bible verses, but those are the two that I think are the most common ones that I've seen, and they almost directly talk about lust and masturbation, whereas other ones are like, they're more about like sexual immorality, but they don't mention lust specifically. So with those Bible verses in mind, I want to talk about the points of view that I have found through Christian subreddits, through Christian threads, through Christian websites, what most Christians think about masturbation so obviously when you literally just google search it everywhere just says like don't masturbate but what i really wanted to do is go and find out what individual people thought about it instead of just like you know baptists as a whole or like catholics as a whole because as you can probably imagine they have a website and it says masturbation's a sin right like it's not hard to find that but i really want to know what the individual people think because it varies between individuals so There's really different points of view and they're on a spectrum. So I'm going to talk about the more extreme points of view right now. So the more extreme points of view are is that like masturbation is never okay ever, ever, ever in any context. Um, It's they say like the idea that your spouse can be 
the only form of sexual satisfaction that's like a big idea that they have like you can't get sexual satisfaction from anyone anywhere and I mean like yeah you probably you should not cheat on your spouse but the fact that they think that it'll increase your marital satisfaction because you have to go to each other for sexual release so you'll be nicer to each other I don't think that that's very healthy no I don't know what are your thoughts on that well I think obviously I think every couple probably works differently but I don't think that that just because you're in a relationship means that you can't have like a healthy personal sex life I guess where you masturbate like I think I don't think it's mutually exclusive I think it probably depends on the couple but it's weird to be like your only option is this opposite sex person that you're with for the rest of your life yeah that's it there's also the idea in the extreme points of view that like for people that are unmarried that their future spouse will be upset with them if they find out that they have ever masturbated that's a big one <laughs> no, obviously that's something no. that we came across by <laughs> you do you know that no, but like it's just come like, on oh no i i like i get i get the the mentality of the future spouse being heartbroken that their spouse has slept with someone else because you know they've been saving themselves all this time but like, come on, like, I can't, I can't, I can't get into that headspace personally is what I will say. One that I can't, <laughs> you love this. If you're married, thinking about anyone other than your spouse is lust. And if you're single, you can't think about anyone. So sucks for single people. So technically say, say you're married and you have a partner that travels for work a lot or maybe they're in the military and they're gone for a long time. You could masturbate thinking about them and that would be okay. Not the extreme. The extreme people are like, you can lust after your wife, but you can't masturbate. It, when we get to the more moderate points of view, which is what we'll talk about now, is that if you masturbate and eat, maybe you'll think lustful thoughts about your wife or husband with their permission and all of that, then a lot of more moderate Christians are like, okay, that's fine. But as long as you don't choose masturbation over sex with your spouse, you can masturbate as long as you don't watch porn or you don't even think lustful thoughts. What about reading it? What about reading it? Oh, well, that, that includes pornography. That pornography's in there. Okay. Yeah. Or any erotic, lustful stories. Because even if you're lusting after a fictional character, it's still lust. Okay. And then also some people think if you don't watch porn or if you don't think lustful thoughts, but you still masturbate somehow, they think that it will prevent lustful thoughts, which is kind of true. Like if you have like a sexual release, you're not going to feel as, you know, you're not going to feel like you're just dying. So yeah, we have to ask why the person is masturbating. Um, if it's an extension of lust, then it's sinful. So those are the more like moderate points of view. There is barely any Christians that are like, it's fine all the time. The, the points of view that I've been talking about have been individual people. It hasn't been denomination specific. The, the points of view are of almost all denominations of Christianity is that like lust is a sin, therefore masturbation is a sin, the end. Okay. So what I really want to know, though, is what is Sean McDowell's point of view on this? I'm so... I already know what Terry Virgo thinks. So I want to no. know what oh, Sean McDowell fuck. thinks. <laughs> oh, that old man. Oh, um, I, you are in luck, my friend. Okay. Because we have a video. And roll the video. Is masturbation okay? Let's face it. This is a sensitive topic that Christians and many non Christians disagree about because it's such a prevalent topic today that sadly some people are not willing to discuss let's try to think about this biblically and carefully well I think the first thing that all Christians can agree on is that masturbation that involves lust is wrong Jesus was very clear in the Sermon on the Mount that lust is wrong in fact in Matthew 5 27 through 29 here's what Jesus said you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye caused you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. So I think we can all agree that lust in masturbation is wrong. But let's look at a few more particular scenarios. What about with spouses? I think most Christians would say, Masturbation in a marriage, if there's a loving commitment between them and no pressure between spouses, doesn't involve a third party, would be fine. God designed sex to be experienced in a relationship with somebody else. Well, God designed sex, it's a gift and it clearly feels good. It's a way of giving 
to another person. It's not meant to be selfish. It's meant to be selfless towards a spouse. And what masturbation does when done alone, it's a way that somebody in secret can condition themselves, so to speak, to experience sexual pleasure apart from the partner that God designed them to have. And when it's experienced that way, it can very often become addictive. Okay. Um, so my thoughts on that, I'm not surprised. I think that it was good that he provided some nuance and wasn't just like, nope, cut off your hand. <laughs> he was. He does have that moderate point of view. Like He does say like masturbation within a marriage is okay, but with stipulations and like lust is wrong, but like you know, give yourself some grace and you can do this. You can do it. He actually isn't that bad. These points of view, however, are still pretty damaging. Well, when I was looking down at the comments, like people are saying like, oh, I've struggled with this. How much have you looked into Christian accountability groups to prevent oh, no. masturbation? Oh, no. What if I told you I had... This is story number one. It's so oh, bad. Oh, no. Story number one is up. It's so, so bad. God, so Sarah. back in 2005, I found Christian christianchat.net. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So I went on christianchat.net, and I made a friend, and her and I were exchanging emails. Somehow, I have no idea how the topic came up, but we both disclosed that we were struggling with masturbation. And so we were we were like, oh, we should be accountability partners. So we would message each other and be like, oh, no, like I want to, but I'm going to go watch a movie or I'm going to go do something else. Or if like we had done it, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, I did it and I feel horrible. Can you pray for me? That kind of thing. But then and this is where I question, was this also a 15 year old female from from Idaho or was oh, she maybe a man that was grooming me? Because that was my next thought. Oh, no, it gets no. no, it gets way worse. I thought they might be a groomer because they ended up mentioning to me how their dog was involved in their masturbation. Oh my god. I'm so disturbed. And it was very, very disturbing and I never talked to them again. But I just Um Yeah. So no. that was my experience with uh Christian accountability partners. But I know I I know that that was like a very common thing though. I feel so uncomfortable. I like I so I wonder I uh, did I ever have an account probably had I'm sure we were accountability partners well I do remember one Sunday that I started crying during worship at the New Frontiers affiliated church and you went out to the stairwell with me and I can confided in you that I had been masturbating <laughs> and you prayed for me it was really nice Aww. Yeah, it was nice. You're like, I've done that too. And we're both like, oh, we're both bad. Let's pray. Oh, we are so sad. Our childhoods were so sad. I wish that we could get in a time machine, go to that stairwell and be like, you two need to get the hell out of this church. <laughs> like, be like, you're not, oh, you're not a horrible person. You're not it's a normal person. to explore your sexuality. You're not going to grow hair on your hands or be blind. I'm still shooken from your story. It really, yeah, I know. It really took me. That poor dog. Yeah, I think of all of all the things to do with masturbation. That was definitely the weirdest thing that I've ever encountered inside the church, outside of the church. Oh my gosh! So, do you know what Terry Virgo thinks about masturbation? <laughs> I didn't look it up. I could. I cannot bring myself to voluntarily put Terry Virgo in this podcast because he is so boring. Well, I'm gonna find it. Oh, we got it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I was hoping we wouldn't find anything. He's going back to the verse in Matthew, like Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about lust. So I'm continuing with Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he now comes to, you shall not commit adultery. But then once again, not content simply to see the outward act. He said, if anyone looks with lust at a woman, He's already committed adultery with her in his heart. And the Lord Jesus is so desirous for people utterly free, completely set free. And so he's not only preoccupied with the physical act, but with the heart attitude behind it. Then he goes on to say something very ruthless. He said, if your eye offends you, tear it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. 
this is kind of savage language but of course Jesus is not looking for a lot of one-armed followers or half-blind soldiers but he is saying it's going to take something ruthless to deal with this issue of man's uncleanness that can be expressed in this kind of way it's going to take some savage treatment and of course that leads us on to the savage treatment that Jesus endured on our behalf yeah we're not going to cut our hands off but we're going to look to one whose hands were taken and nailed to a cross whose feet were taken nailed to the cross this one who died to sin once for all and then announces as it says in Romans chapter 6 we have been crucified with him that our old body of sin might be done away with can we just stop him yes oh my god i literally am just i've tuned out i just can't we're gonna we're just gonna stop him what <laughs> it's like every time we play a terry virgo video we're just like thank god it's over and you're like and it's a huge buzzkill right now <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Terry Virgo is such an interesting character. Uh, I, you know, like any head of a church, like they read the Bible, they see these verses, and they have their own personal interpretations of them. So he's like, oh, Jesus told you to cut off your hand and remove your eye. And I'm sure most church leaders are like, you probably shouldn't do that. But also, it's fine because he died for you. So because he died for you, you don't have to cut off your hand and your eye. But I'm like, how do you know that and how do you and how do you jump to that yeah where does that connection come from it's like oh like everything that's in the bible you don't have to do any of it because like jesus died for oh you. tv i was gonna say there was this one time back in maybe 2004 oh no this is definitely involving me then isn't it <laughs> so i get a call on my olympic edition nokia flip phone <laughs> and who's it from it's from jessica and she's saying i need you to come over no oh my god I'm so uncomfortable yeah. so I go I go to your house and go down to your parents basement and you and your boyfriend are there okay so wait before we before you continue context in high school I dated another fellow Christian guy that went to like youth group and stuff with us so this is the guy yeah and you and your boyfriend are there there's a bible you have a bible with you and there have been some tears shed. It hasn't been an easy day because you touched his penis. And you asked me to pray for you. So this is a common theme. God, this is a common theme. Feeling guilty for masturbating or coming into contact with sex organs. This is the worst episode we've ever done. And I know it's so fucking cringy. And then I gave, <laughs> I gave my advice on what you should do. And I said... We after praying for you, I was like, we need to go tell the youth pastor. No, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and of course, and I don't know why I I fucking inserted myself into this situation, Sarah, and you, you and me and your ex high school boyfriend and the youth pastor <sighs> all had the same conversation. <laughs> Do you remember what the youth pastor said besides just like you shouldn't have done that? Let's pray the end. You know, I think a lot of people talked about boundaries. You know, not hanging out after dark, uh, keeping your hands above the blanket, uh, not lying next to each other in a bed. Okay. Oh God, I just want to die. That was so embarrassing. The thing that is sad about this is like I have so many catalogs of like these types of stories from growing up within like youth group and and camp and things like that. Even the last Christian that I dated back in 2010, his whole thing was him and his roommate had this like this accountability group that if they felt like they needed to masturbate, they would text each other and then they would listen to one very specific spoken word poetry. Bye. <laughs> so I have that up if you want to see it. No. Okay, so this poem was called uh, Kaleidoscope, and it is by, I think, it, yeah, Levi the Poet. I can't believe I remember that. May 28th, 2010. How could you forget, really? <laughs> okay. So every time my ex-boyfriend wanted to masturbate, instead he would listen to this. 
She had a stained glass window for a heart, a shoebox for a chest cavity, and a kaleidoscope for a soul that had reflected its light back at me. Depending upon the day, she shone different colors. She had a handful of favorites she kept locked inside her cupboard. She's got drawers in her stomach, knows how to swallow her pride, but it gets compartmentalized in the crawl spaces and builds up inside. She says she's fine, but she lies. She wears sunglasses all of the time to try to hide her eyes, and at night, she stays out of the shadows. It's one of the only times that her true color shines. She says, you're talking about me like you know what I mean, but you know nothing, nothing at all about leading this kind of life. Baby, it's on my We're heart. Done. It's We're done. We're done. I can't. Well, no. Turn it off. I'm taking my headphones out. I'm done. I can't listen. So, can you imagine? Can you just, just like, just like, <sighs> composure. Imagine dating someone who's like, when I struggle to masturbate, this is what I listen to you. And they send you this over Facebook and then you watch it. No. Is that why you're not dating anymore? Okay. 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 I have so many thoughts that I need a minute to compose myself. This is like slam poetry. If you're into like slam poetry, I actually do like slam poetry for. Okay, that was my first thought. I just I can't even compose myself right now. <laughs> I am so upset. <laughs> this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> okay, so you did this guy. What did oh you do when, you, when he sent this to you? Were you like, that's cool? Well, at that point, I was like, eh, that's that's different. That's something. <laughs> but like, sure, whatever works. I don't know. I don't know how much Levi the Poet helped because we were on different wavelengths. So I think, yeah, there's so much shame around sex. And I think so much of that, I know we'll get into modesty in other episodes. And we already have touched on it before in the Purity Ring episode. But I think so much of it was placed on to women. Like I remember a youth leader telling me that him and all the young guys in his youth group had a strategy called BOP. So if they were, like, driving in the youth van and they saw, like, a hot girl, they'd be like, bop. So everyone look away. Are you fucking kidding? But if you say bop, obviously you're going to look and be like, <laughs> oh what did, What are we bopping for? So it's just... Oh, no. Oh. I, I just... Let people be people. Why do we have to bring bop into it? Oh, my God. I feel like we're only scratching the surface in these episodes that we're doing right now. Like, with masturbation, I just feel like there's so much deep diving we can do like the stories that you told me are so intense like you don't repress anything (laughs) like everything is just at the fucking surface which is great now like even the stories that you had about me I don't really remember them but when you say them I'm like yeah it kind of sounds familiar but I think it's because I have truly just they're so embarrassing and cringy and just not who I am now I have it feels like another lifetime it feels like a different life that we lived and some of it like I just I feel like was used as clear grooming because we got so comfortable with youth leaders and people that were in positions of power and the details of our lives that we were telling them you know it's not like they were a therapist and I just look at all the trust I placed in these people like the older I get I just realize how vulnerable children are and how we put so much trust in people just on the basis of their affiliation with Christianity. We think that they're held to a higher moral standard. And we place trust in people sometimes only because of their age. Yeah. So their affiliation plus their age, you just assume that they are incredibly trustworthy and they would never do anything nefarious. But yeah, like when... You know, we've already mentioned the fact that I had a high school boyfriend that was a Christian. So I started my journey with Christianity. How old was I? 14? Yeah. 13, 14. We were like really, really intense about not doing anything sexual, not masturbating, not having lustful thoughts, anything. And, you know, you've already told the story about being in my parents' basement. But there's just so much more to that relationship. Like looking back on it, it's so disturbing the way that we acted because of our youth leaders and what the church was telling us to do and the Christian camp was telling us to do. Like I remember many specific stories about how me and him, like I like about trying not to masturbate or trying not to have lustful thoughts and us like crying to each other a lot. So I think that really in the church is where I started to push feelings 
down and down and bury and bury and bury and put a lid on it until I legit because of like all the shame that came along with it and all the shame and like if I if I was like oh I you know I'm feeling this urge bury it and then it came out in in really disturbing ways like maddening anxiety that's where a lot of my anxiety started and I didn't know what I was feeling and I was just miserable I was absolutely miserable and I think it all stems from it all stemmed from sexual urges and people telling me that these sexual urges were wrong yeah and there's there's so much guilt that goes along with it I feel like as a woman it's almost double the guilt because you have your own sexual sin that you're carrying like you know am I lusting after someone Am I masturbating? Am I doing these things? But then you also have, am I causing a brother in Christ to stumble? That's a lot to put on women. And that, I mean, that is straight up rape culture because we get into the, you need to support your brothers by not wearing a certain item of clothing, by wearing a t-shirt over your bathing suit, Mm -hmm. by being modest. When I stopped dating Christian guys, like, I mean, I didn't really do that until I fully left the church. It was refreshing being like like and and even when I started dating non-christian guys I didn't have sex for a few years because I just wasn't ready and there was still a lot of guilt but like it was just refreshing that it wasn't like a topic of conversation as much like it wasn't a huge deal it wasn't like we can never talk about sex ever we can never talk about anything sexual and like everything's unhealthy and not until we're married and like marriage wasn't a topic of conversation when you date non-christian people which is just nice it's just nice that we don't have to always talk about courting and marriage this has been like the most cringe that I've felt in a very long time. Oh yeah. It's really, I find this one hard because it's like masturbation is something that's so inherently personal. And then when you're tying in religion to it and just our personal experiences that we've had, it brings up a whole other slew of things. Like it brings up like relationships in which you struggled to stay pure Mm -hmm. and just all the baggage that comes around with purity in general so much baggage and so many things that still affect me now but it's all like subconsciously i think there, like there's just a lot of a lot of shame around it well like yeah masturbation because it is so personal and private instead of like sharing the shame if you have sex with someone that's also a christian and you're dating or whatever you share that shame together but masturbation is such a personal shame it wasn't talked about as much for females like did you ever have a youth pastor do you remember the book every young man's battle and every young woman's battle no every young man's battle gets into like masturbation and sex and every young woman's battle kind of touches on it but it also gets into things like modesty and you know body image and all that kind of stuff yeah how do you want to present yourself so men don't lust after you (laughs) basically except and then for men it's just like wear whatever you want So, you know, we should probably wrap up. I am so bummed and sad, and I am not the same person that I was when we started recording. (laughs) You have brought up a lot of memories that I probably need to now go to therapy about. But you know what? The fact that we went through all that as teens, we just can learn to do better, you know, with the next generation. And there is absolutely no way that we're alone no i know that if people are listening to us right now if you actually if you have made it to the end of this episode color me shocked because at this point i probably would have turned it off so if you've made it this far and you were a christian growing up you probably have a lot of similar stories we have a website and on our website there is a contact form if you want to tell us your stories we would love to hear them someday i really want to do an episode with people's stories and and kind of answer questions so please send us your stories if you if you have them yeah which we know you do if you grew up in the church and they might be repressed but come with us and and open up your treasure chest of memories so on that note i'm sad i need to go feel better i know (laughs) i'm so sad But first, before we sign off today, we're going to do another story time with Sarah. Oh, fuck. I already forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Okay. Play the theme music. Welcome to story time with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. So I am going to be telling you today the story of Onan. And that's where onanism comes from. Yes. So the pamphlet. Yeah. That feels like an eternity ago that we talked about that, by the way. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, there was a guy named Er, E R, Er, and he married a woman named Tamar. But Er offended God, so God took his life. I don't know how he offended God, but God took his life. That's it. Okay, great. And this is Genesis 38, just for those of you who want to follow along. Basically, the custom was that if your husband died, if there was a widow that had no one to carry on the line of the man that had died, like the line of the husband, then she would go and have sex with her with her husband's brother so her brother-in-law that was the thing you had to do so Ur's dad said to his next born Onan he's like go sleep with your brother's widow it's your duty to keep your brother's line alive so Onan knew that the child wouldn't be his so whenever he had sex with Tamar he wouldn't come inside her he would spill his semen on the ground so he wouldn't produce a child for his brother brother God was very offended so God took his life okay good thing there are more brothers so the next son was named Sheila. Cool. Okay, so <laughs> so just wasn't expecting that. It's okay. So what okay, I guess Sheila was like pretty young. So Sheila's dad was like to Tamar, the the woman, he was like, go live as a widow. And once Sheila grows up, then you can have uh, someone to pass on your dead husband's, your ex-ex-husband's lineage. So then Tamar went back and lived with her father. Time passed. And then... Was Tamar going to say on this at all? No, no. So Tamar is like living as a widow. And then she goes back eventually. And no one knew where Sheila was, I guess. So she went and she decided that she was just going to go straight to the father and her father-in-law and she put on a disguise as a prostitute and convinced him to have sex with her and then she got pregnant and then Ur's line got to be carried on and they all lived happily ever after. That's the story? <laughs> well, no, actually, the story is that Judah found out that that she wasn't actually a prostitute and that she was Tamar and he said... Um, he basically was told, your daughter-in-law has been playing the whore and now she's a pregnant whore. And he said, get her out here and burn her up. But she said to him, I'm pregnant by the man who owns these things. Identify them. Please, who's the owner? Seal and cord and staff. And Judah said, she's in the right. I'm in the wrong. I wouldn't let her marry my son, Sheila. He never slept with her again. Okay, so she, she got pregnant and she named her son Perez. Perez Hilton? Is that her son? Yes. I take your silence as a yes, and I will carry on that information for the rest of my life. The end. Yeah. So Ur's line got to carry on because of his father Judah being tricked and not because of his little, little brother, Sheila, who Judah didn't want to have sleep with Tamar because he was scared that he'd be killed again. He was a little PTSD from Onan and Ur being killed by God. So how does this relate to masturbation? Don't spill your seed on the ground or you will be killed. That's it. That's it. Just masturbate into a sock instead. Or don't, because you will go blind. Yes. It all comes full circle. All right. But I think the way we wrap up this episode is just by saying, be a vegetarian and don't forget to eat Kellogg's. Yes. Kellogg's cornflakes. Good for the soul and for curbing your sexual urges. I'm out of here. I'm so sad. Okay. Bye. Bye. I was absolutely giddy thinking that you wouldn't ask me about what John Medallo thought. And I was so excited to tell you that I, oh, I got you're a so wrong, Jessica. <laughs> okay. Is masturbation a sin? Here we go.